think he can jump all over the place and nothing's gonna happen, but they've noticed. Don't run. I just wanna ask you some questions. You think it could go on like this forever? Living like this with no consequences? There are always consequences. Welcome to the war. Hello there, everybody, and welcome back to Take Me to Your Reader, discussing adapted science fiction at its best and worst. I'm Seth. I'm James. And I'm Colin. And we are back to our one book, one movie format this time, talking about the 2008 film Jumper, which was loosely adapted from the Stephen Gould book of the same name. So we have read the book and we have watched the movie and we are going to discuss both. And we've done other stuff too. That's true. Are we going to talk about Jumper Griffin story? Novelization of the movie? <laughs> kind of sort Ish, of, but yeah. not really. Yeah, I, I think we can, we can discuss it since we've all read or, it. Or have you loosely adapted from the movie? <laughs> right. But as I alluded to, we not only read one book and one movie, but we read the movie tie-in, Gr- yeah. Jump, Griffin story. Mm-hmm. You suggested that we go through the entire series, so I think we all read Reflex. Right. You read the two that follow. I've read the entire series. I, I have read, read the entire, the entire series, series, but I haven't, I haven't read them, reread them for this podcast. And I read the short story right. that came out, uh, oh, cool. Shade. Okay, you can tell us about that one. But why don't we lead off with the story, which is pretty brief. I guess uh, you yeah. want to take it? I, I can try. You, you jump in and correct me if I'm wrong. Okay. So in the story, we're trying to summarize the book and the movie as close as we can. The overarching plot, right? Between yeah. all adaptations. And then we can get into... Possible. Differences between movie and book, yeah. right? As we talk about them, uh, so there's a young boy named David, David Rice, and uh, his mom has left he and his dad years ago for variable numbers of years. And while uh, Davy is being abused, he learns he has the ability to teleport. And so it's the story of what happens if you uh, give a teenage boy teleportation abilities. And that's about as common as it gets yep. between the two. Yeah. That's about where they differ. When we were discussing it before, uh, before we started recording, I, I said, and then he gets chased by various people. And there's right. more active chasing in the movie, more kind of trap setting in the book. Yeah. And we can right. talk a bit about that. So typically we like to sort of talk about our history with, with the material. Um, I'll lead off since I think I was first with the book. You right? were? You were I, first. Oh, yeah, yeah. You were yeah. the one that told me it was a book to begin with. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I saw the movie. I don't think I saw it in the theater. I was trying to think if you and I might have seen it together, but I don't think so. Because I think that would have led to both of us reading the book earlier. Probably, yeah. (laughs) Uh, Because according to my little book widget database thingy, it says that I read Jumper in 2012. So I I don't have a clear memory. I, I must have watched the movie on DVD, probably from the library. Probably. Saw the movie, found out that there was a book based on it, picked that up. I think at that point, Reflex was out. I don't think Impulse was yet, but kind of as those came out, I've, I've kept up with the series. I never did check out Griffin's story until recently, and we'll get back to that. So that's my brief history. Why don't you go? Well, you mentioned to, to me as a sci-fi read mm-hmm. during a run. Science fiction read? Yep. Science fiction read. <laughs> and, you know, I kind of kept it in the back of my mind, and then I noticed it was in one of the Humble Bundle sales. And so picked it up, you know, on the cheap and read it. Um, with the admonition from you that if I did, I should keep my eyes open for corrections, because you, I think you had yeah. rented it from the library, the ebook. No, no, no. I, I had it. For, I had bought it. You had bought it. Okay. Because mm-hmm. you had found a mistake in it that you couldn't find again. And the publisher said, which is pretty rare for publisher of ebooks, that if you found a mistake, they would send you an updated ebook. Yeah. Yeah. They had right, right in the front uh, yeah, cover a, of the Yeah, there's a e-book. note about it yeah. in the ebook. Sending any errors to here. And what had happened was I was reading it on two different devices. Uh-huh. And I had made notes about it on one of them and not on the other. And somehow, I, I don't know what happened, but I lost I lost the notes. And I know that I had found errors, which I didn't see on this read-through. So hmm. it's possible that they've corrected it and that I've downloaded it since then. I don't know. You'd like to think that would be how it would work, but we have seen it to be very inconsistent in that regard. Well, And that's the advantage of having a book from the Humble Bundle. There's no DRM. And, you know, I own this copy of the book. Mm-hmm. Nice. Mine's from Tor, so it should, yeah, that should also be DRM free. Yeah, yeah, I think mine's from Tor too. All yep. three makes sense. They're, they are the publisher of his books. Yep. So, um, but you have read Jumper and Reflex, and Griffin's Story. Okay, and Shade. Okay, and James, you have read. I've read Jumper, Reflex, Impulse, XO, and Griffin's Story, and okay. part of I started reading Shade, 
Yeah, I did too. I, I kind of skimmed it. And went, yeah. I already know where this is going because it, it's between reflex and impulse. I think. Yes. Yeah. And I feel like the beginning of impulse kind of covers the same material. And not, not the same material, but I didn't, I didn't feel that anything was missing. Hmm. Right. That's, it's like their beginnings of their the relief efforts and stuff. Yeah. So thoughts on the book. You have now read it twice, right? I've read it several times. Okay. I read it. I think I read it three times to get ready for this. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I read it a long time ago and then I did a reread and then I did okay. a recent reread. I thought you meant you had read it three times in a row. And oh, back to back? Yeah. I don't think I've ever done that with any book. Okay. Good. Because if you had read Jumper three times and you didn't read Impulse and XO, <laughs> I'd been like, what were you doing? I was enjoying a great first person story about um, a young man mm-hmm. who is mostly damaged from the world he is born into mm-hmm. and the parents that he has. And is eventually able to, you know, create a life out of that. And so, mm-hmm. I mean, it, it's it's a redemption story in that way. Ah, and, and Colin I, loves a good I redemption love story. love a good redemption TM. story. We are asserting trademark on that. <laughs> yeah. And so we're going to try and go spoiler-free with some of the deeper details. Uh, we don't have to. Um, one good thing probably to talk about is the, its status as a band book. Yeah. So there was a list published a while ago. And so in the decade from 1990 to 1999, it was the 94th most banned young adult book. Mm-hmm. And it is due to scenes of extreme violence done against David uh, by his father and other people. Mm-hmm. So, Impending extreme violence. There was actually not right. any violence done. Right. Impending right. violence and impending sexual assault. Yeah. Right. Now, so I was listening, and I'll, I'll put a link in the show notes to the Geek's Guide to the Galaxy, did an interview with Stephen Gould uh, when EXO came out. And mm-hmm. they were talking about Jumper and the series as a whole. Mm-hmm. And he was talking about it being banned and how these two things happen within like the first nine pages. Right. And and that's all a parent has to read to go, nope, this book is not for my kid. When in the rest of the book, it's not quite so harsh. Right. So there's there's still some nasty stuff that happens. But yeah. So if you're reading this one and you, you get through the first chapter and go, whoa, okay, this is, I'm not sure this is for my kid. It might not be for your kid, but it's not exactly typical of the rest of the book. It just, he needed... An inciting incident to cause someone who had the latent ability to jump to jump. Right. And so whether that's being beaten by his father or someone attempting to rape him, that's the kind of thing that would make you jump away if you could do it. Well, and there's also the uh, the mugging in New York. Right. Which becomes a precipitating el- el- element for him needing to get more money. Mm-hmm. So had you not read the book before Seth and I talked about it? Or No. No. Nope. I think... Um... It was one during one of our runs, I want to say a couple of years ago now, that Seth told me it was based on a book. I was like, oh, cool. But I, I remember not liking the movie very much the first time, mm. so I wasn't too inclined to really just get into it. <laughs> yeah. And then... Uh, I think I lent you my dad's nook. And yeah. He, he had all, all four books. In no, quick. he had three of them. Three of them, okay. Yeah, he had um, Jumper, uh, Jumper, Impulse, and Reflex on there, and Griffin Story, right? Yeah. I don't know why I just so chose to start reading them, but I did. Mm-hmm. And I finished um, Jumper, Reflex, and Impulse right about the time the EXO came out, maybe a couple months after, because it was available from the library right. for ebook. Mm-hmm. And so I was able to read them all in a row within a couple months time frame. Yeah. And then I watched the movie. <laughs> mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah. Um, I, I'm a big fan of the book. As I mean, that's why I recommend it to you guys. Yeah, so. it's a great book. Yeah. I really enjoyed it. Yeah. I yeah I is it a young adult book? I mean, it's got, it, it has substantial, it's got some pretty salty language in it and it has the, you know, the violence and sexual assault and, you know, terrorists and various things. So I'm not, I, I wouldn't be comfortable like giving it to a 12 year old to read. No. Yeah. So it, if you defined young adult as uh, dealing with teenage kids, which I think this one does, mm-hmm. and uh, a relationship between a, a guy and a girl, mm-hmm. and maybe you know this this love triangle which happens. Um, I think it meets that category. I think the other category that it really meets is it it's inside of David's head. It's told in the first person. True, and you learn about his fears and his angst. Um, and so it's not a kid's book, and it's it. But I don't know why it wouldn't fit in the adult genre as well. Right. Yeah, I think it's it's kind of a in between. I mean, it's certainly. Not so young adult that an adult can't enjoy it, obviously, because we have three adult men who enjoyed it. Right. Right. Well, men, adult-ish. Right. 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 Two and James. (laughs) (laughs) Adult-sized boys. 
There we go. <laughs> so I, I want to talk about the series somewhat because Jumper is not my favorite book in the series. I, I like Reflex uh, best out of the, the total series. Um, and I don't want to spoil really Reflex or, or anything else, but what I like in a science fiction book lots of times is what is the question that's being asked? And in the first book, it's what would happen if you gave a damaged kid teleportation, right? essentially. Where the second one is, how would you make a teleporter do what you want him to do? How would you, how would you hold a teleporter? Right. So we mentioned that Davy gets chased, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And in the movie, the purpose is to kill him. Right. And in the book, the purpose is to at least find him, stop him, control him. And so, yeah, right. how do you control somebody that can pop out of them at a moment's notice? Right. That, that <laughs> leads to my favorite moment. Or my favorite line in the book, when the NSA finally kind of zeroes in on him, he agrees to meet with them. Um, because I think he's been uh, transport teleporting them to all points of the world. Right, yeah. Right. Um, and <laughs> and finally he meets meets with them and realizes, okay, they're going to restrain me. I need to get out of here. I'm going to have to jump right in front of them. So I might as well make it count. And yep. <laughs> he walks over to the guy and says, I just have one thing to say. We mean no harm to your planet. <laughs> and jumps away. <laughs> I, thought, I would totally do that uh, if if I was him. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. <laughs> but there, there's so in the first book, there's him wondering about: Are there any other teleports? Is there anyone else who can do this? Right. right. And you know, he he asks the NSA. Of course, he's not sure if he can trust anything that they that they tell say. him. Mm -hmm. But and you can certainly see from the NSA perspective why they would want to track him and you know figure out what his intentions are and. At where his loyalties lie, and definitely he could be useful. Yeah, yeah. Well, initially they're concerned with you know what resources does this person have because mm -hmm. we have a photo of him mm -hmm. in Africa, mm -hmm. and then six hours later he's back in the United States. Mm -hmm. So they want to know right. who he's working for, what network. They think he's just another agent, right? Uh, and it's at that point that he does the old you know pop out disappear routine. And mm -hmm. Yeah, but at some point he realizes that they that the NSA can be somewhat useful. Because he is trying to hunt down a particular terrorist. Gets for, information from him, right? For a reason that we don't have to disclose, I suppose. Right. Um, it's interesting, the book was written in, I think it came out in 1992, right. mass market in 1993. And that was at a time where there were a lot of airline hijackings pre-9-11. Mm -hmm. A different kind of hijacking where they'd hijack them and park them on the tarmac and and ask for ransom. you know. And there there were a lot of pretty nasty ones. And there was a cruise ship, uh, the Achille Lauro. Right. That was um, that was hijacked as well, and so that's one of the things when you get to the movie or even the subsequent books, because there's ten years I think between the first two books, right? Um, and I, well, there's wow. ten years in book time. I don't remember how much publication time. Twelve years. Wow. Yeah. So the first book before nine eleven, second one after. Some of the themes sort of change. Um, even even when you look in in movies, you know there were a lot of terrorist subplots in in movies or main you know antagonists in movies leading up to nine eleven, and then afterwards there was a period where people shied away from from having terrorists as the bad guys. They were a little off topic, where they didn't want to have like you said they didn't want to have terrorists as the bad guys. Yeah, right. yeah. Well, be, and then they, the terrorists changed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, and and so so, but the big thing to do back then was okay. Big evil corporation right. is is the main bad guy, and that's yeah. it's pretty common. It's pretty overdone, but I really like the way it works out in Reflex. Yeah, um, because it totally makes sense that hey, there's there's a a private player who is involved in government and and you know has has their fingers into a lot of different things. They're mm -hmm. going to want to get a hold of a teleporter if they can. Right. Yeah, and do more than restrain him, but actually, you know, cause him to be useful. Yeah. And so that that leads to the main thing that I like better about Reflex than Jumper, is Jumper, it does have one main antagonist, I think you guys will agree, but it has a series of them as well. Because I think the overarching antagonist is not just Davy's father, but his relationship with his father is kind of, kind of the, it's one of the driving forces in the book. Um, but there's, there's also, a, there's the NSA, and then there's the terrorists, there's the mugger, you know. So to me, like not having one clear antagonist is one of the weak points of the book, and we've talked about this a bit. Yeah, I disagree. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't think I don't think a book has to have. Well, I disagree <laughs> on this point. As, as I've right. watched the adaptation and listened to the commentary and watched the behind the scenes stuff, I'm beginning to have this new idea about adapting things and making it different. Mm -hmm. So I'm beginning to understand. Yes, you know, you may not make a, a massively successful movie out of a very intellectual topic. Like, you know, being inside of Davy's head. Mm -hmm. it's, it's probably a hard thing to portray. It's 
defined to be slow. There's no way you can cover the entire book in one movie. Mm-hmm. You have to boil it down and, and do something else with it. That being said, and not to jump too far into the future when we're going to be talking about the movie, the movie didn't do that great. No, no. I don't object to what it did in kind of unifying unifying the protagonist. Uh, having one in, bad guy? Having one bad guy. Yes, thank you. <laughs> Dang it, that's going to make it hard for me to edit that. Um, <laughs> I'll, well, we I'll, need blooper real fair all the yeah, time. exactly. <laughs> But they, I didn't think they did it very well. And we'll get back to that, of course. But yeah, so to me, I look at Jumper as a superhero origin story. And oh, yeah. lots of times superhero origin story, like movie one of a superhero franchise, is one of the weak links in the franchise. And the follow-on movie where they don't have to tell the origin story is a stronger story because they've, they've got this established character. We're going to bring in an antagonist and tell a great story. Lots of times in the origin story, the bulk of the creative power goes to that origin story, which is terrific usually. Mm-hmm. And then there's, you know, a cliched climactic ending against a bad guy who may or may not be worth the screen time. And I, I was thinking about the superhero movies because I look at Jumper as a superhero story. Oh, yeah. Um, and like Captain America, I, I really liked the first movie, but the ending of it isn't so great. The The origin story part I love, the ending not so much. Where the Winter Soldier, you've already got the character established. I like that movie a lot more. Um Avengers, sort of as a number two to a lot of different movies. Yes. You know, you're just, you're just bringing everybody together. Pretty satisfying. Yeah. Now you develop the relationships between them and you talk about the team challenges yeah. and everything else. Or even like Spider-Man, the, Toby, the Sam Raimi Spider-Man. You know, the first one was an okay movie, but the Green Goblin was a little underwhelming, where the second movie, you've already got Spider-Man established, you don't have to tell the origin story. Now you bring in Doc Ock. It's a better movie. It's, I'm, I'm pulling in only examples that actually work. That work. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> Which isn't always the case. Uh, Iron Man, I feel like, is the best out of that series. It works, Just, for, it works for Star Wars, too. <laughs> Empire Strikes Back is the best of the original trilogy. True. True. <laughs> yeah. But that, that would argue here for, for Jumper that they should have made the sequel. I agree. Right. And so, yeah. yeah. So are, are we they done talking about- slotted on IMDb. <laughs> I know they do. And they've had it slotted for, for seven years. Long time, yeah. With absolutely no development on it. Right. Yeah. Um, so are we done talking about the book? Uh, we'll, I'm sure we'll come back to okay. things in the book. So, so let's flop over and talk about the movie. Because okay. here you have a movie, $90 million budget, $222 million gross at the box office. That's only if you count international. If you count international. It got about $80, $80 million in the domestic box office. Oh. So it was, it was a flop in the hey. US. Okay. Because I was wondering, gosh, you put in 80, you get out 222 million. Yeah. Right. Uh, no brainer sequel. No brainer sequel. Yeah. Right. Except that. It wasn't reviewed very well in the mm-hmm. United States. Yeah. 13% in Rotten Tomatoes. 13% in Rotten Tomatoes. And, uh, I mean, fairly, you know, critically panned for about everything you can put in a movie from the directing to the screenplay mm-hmm. to the acting to the plot to the special effects, right? Mm-hmm. Every single thing. It, someone didn't like that part about the movie. Well, that's almost always the case. Somebody's not going to like everything. Yeah, I, but I think the, gener- generally the things that stick out are the wooden performances of the actors, lackluster screenplay. I, I've, yeah, I've no generally chemistry. heard, um, yeah, no chemistry, positive things about, about the directing and the special effects, which, you know, they're, they're flashy special effects. I thought they were fine. Um, maybe we should, I guess we're transitioning and talking about that. Why don't we ask James to say something? Right. <laughs> <laughs> You've been quiet. I so we're hammering quiet. the movie. You said you enjoyed it on the second go around. I wouldn't call enjoyed it. I just liked it better than the first time I saw it. Okay. So I guess the so the big difference for me between the first time I saw it and the second time I saw it is that I read the series first and and the Griffin story, which is weird because that's a that book came after the movie. <laughs> you you read all of that before you saw the movie at all? Uh, for the second time. Okay. okay I saw the movie the first time. You know when it pretty much not in the theater, but when it came out on DVD mm-hmm. way back when. Okay. And. I remember not liking the movie. Mm-hmm. I already went into the movie knowing that I didn't like Hayden Christensen. Mm-hmm. I hated him in Star Wars, so I didn't like him in this movie. Yeah, yeah. The only movie I've seen him where I thought he was actually good for the role was I think, oh, Life of a House or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. I saw that movie, and I'm like, oh, he's actually not that bad, except for he's the same character in all the other movies. Life as a House, was that one? That- yeah, yeah. So Life as a House, yeah. But, but the second time I saw it, I remember, I thought it was actually not a decent movie. Right. And I think it was because I read all the books, so I was familiar with all the characters. Hmm. And basically watching the movie, I didn't need any development on any of the characters. Right. And it doesn't do any. And it doesn't do any. 
And I just saw it as another story about these characters I already knew. Okay. Yeah. I mean, and so I didn't think it was that bad from that perspective. Uh-huh. I still thought that Hayden Christensen was a horrible actor. <laughs> uh, there was no chemistry between him and Millie right. character. Um, Jamie Bell was way better of an actor and outshined him, and he wasn't even the main mm-hmm. protagonist, which yeah, is yeah. horrible. Samuel L. Jackson didn't get enough time, you know, all this stuff. And mm-hmm. the the movie kind of progressed way too quick for the character development. Yeah, for me, I mean, I, I remember sort of enjoying the movie, and then I read the book and went, oh boy, you know, that was... Yeah. That was not a good adaptation of that of that <laughs> material. Um yeah. and rewatching it, you know, actually I don't I don't have such a big problem with Hayden Christensen. I I mean I thought he was obviously terrible in, in right. Attack of the Clones. I thought he was better <laughs> in episode three. Um and I thought that was just maybe the script was slightly better. And maybe in this case, I don't think it was a terrific script either. No. The one thing I do like about him, I mean, he has a physicality that that I think works. I mean, like he's ath- athletic enough, you no. know. To, he was convincing to me as a as a jumper. Um, I think you know he he looks convincingly in pain when he's being shocked by electricity and stuff. I, <laughs> so I thought he was fine, but yeah, there's no chemistry between him and yeah. Rachel Bilson, which is ironic because they're a couple in real life and have been since oh, the really? movie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they have um, children. Wow. Yeah, I thought the the place where I thought there was good chemistry was between David and Griffin, and yeah. I think that was just um Hayden Christensen's acting coming up as a result of of working opposite Jamie Bell, right? Who's a better actor. Um, the main problem though, is that the Griffin character is just more interesting than right. David and Jamie Bell's a better actor. And so like, I want to see that movie that, and, yeah, I, and that's I, always I a problem. Totally, probably, I would think, I would think it'd be a better movie if he was the main protagonist instead of yeah. Davey. But so to me, the movie's slightly underrated, you know, yeah. I mean, and you look at the Rotten Tomato score, it's yeah. 13% from critics, but 44% I think it's a bit, I think from it's a bit people. underrated too. I don't think it's yeah. that <laughs> no, I mean, I would call and I were talking about this yesterday. I'm like, I, I file this under sort of the like, uh, total recall remake thing right. where it's not a terrible movie. It's just not a good adaptation. Yeah. It was enjoyable enough. Yeah. But now you're bringing in the whole, you know, adaptational thing, right? It's, it's not a bad movie, but it's not a good right. movie either. No. And as yeah. an adaptation, uh, it, it fails. One of the behind the scenes things that I watched mm-hmm. was a, a very heavily cut up interview between Stephen Gould and Doug Liman. Now they weren't in the same room at the same time. They were they were interviewed separately along with some of the cast and other things. So Stephen Gould comes up and he says, "I don't really have a problem with the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, you couldn't make this as a movie. It's it's a very internal movie about a damaged kid, and you spend most of the time in David's head." Mm-hmm. Two or three minutes later, it cuts to Doug Liman who says, "Oh, this is one hundred percent Stephen Gould's story." <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, "Sorry, no, what? no, no. I mean, it's not even there." No, and so, he failed on that one. Yeah, that's what he was going for. I, I mean, there's that same like like we hinted at the beginning, right? There's the same nugget that's the, that's right. the same, and then they went in wildly different directions yeah. from it. And as you watch the commentary, that even gets more and more fledged out. Mm-hmm. And so they asked themselves the question: If you really gave a teenager the power to teleport, and this teenager was all, all damaged, right. what would they do? Well, they would do what teenagers tend to do, and they would push boundaries and ignore things and only take care of their own needs. And what you get is a 24 or 25-year-old teleporter with the emotional development of 20, a 14-year-old. 23 yeah. in the movie. 23 yeah. in the movie. In the main plaza movie, anyway. Mm. Yeah. So, um, you know, it, with respect to that, I think they were probably true to that vision. But yeah. it doesn't make for a right. very fun story because now your hero in the superhero movie isn't really a hero. And that was right. one of the design goals. Really? Yes. For him to be an anti-hero? They did not want him to be an anti-hero. Uh, one of the huh. things that he said well, they was... Well, that one too. <laughs> no, they, they wanted him to be an anti-hero, is what you're saying. A real person with this power wouldn't be a superhero. They would experience life and try to get away with stuff. We'll root for the guy more if he uses his power to sleep with women all over the planet. Not a good guy, but a fun guy. That is crap. And yeah, that is... Lame. That's the movie. Yeah. Yeah, because that's the thing. Like, David in the book is very sympathetic because because of his origin story, right? Right. right. And I don't fault the movie for changing the origin story a little bit, you know, from shying away from the abuse and the sexual assault. You know, doing the falling through the ice thing, that's fine. I I, I don't mind yeah. that. It still shows that his home life sucks. But, right. but then to show him, fast forward 10 years and he's picking up random women in London mm-hmm. um, and and stealing a lot of money. That that was the thing. Like in the book, he, he robs right. one bank. And and feels bad about it, but is like, well, you know, it'll probably be covered by insurance, and this is what I had to do, you know? Right. He's still somewhat symp- sympathetic, where I feel like in the movie, just, he's not. He's a dick. Yeah, in the movie, he watches a scene on TV where people are trapped in a flood. His response to that is to jaunt to London and pick up a blonde. Right. And meet yeah. Jamie Bell. 
Um, well, he didn't meet him. Didn't Jamie meet Bell him. was there. Jamie Bell, right? Which I didn't notice the first time. I I didn't notice Griffin. Oh, really? in, until he showed up in the Coliseum in the in the first viewing. Uh, this yeah. time I was watching for it. Yeah, it was. Just, I watched the movie recently for the second time, so I think I was watching for it mm-hmm. too. Um, the other thing that I thought was really funny about the bank robberies was when Roll when they when Roland finds him in in his apartment, he holds up a series of napkins with apologetic notes written on it. Right. And in the book, the IOUs. He, the IOUs. In yeah. the book, he thought about leaving a note, but decided that the theft was bad enough and he shouldn't rub it in their faces. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, what kind of additional right. problems do I want to cause myself? Mm-hmm. Now, maybe that's the difference between a 14 or 15-year-old David and a 17-year-old David. Yeah. Right. But maybe. still, I mean. So another thing to talk about is the change in actors. Um, because you had Max Terrio, who was playing young Davey. Right. Who was high school? Ninth grade, maybe eighth grade. Ninth grade, I think. Yeah, um, and then you jump to Hayden Christensen, and the age difference isn't big enough for me. Like, I would have rather had them jump mm. forward further to Keith Carradine. <laughs> yeah, there we go. <laughs> no, no, obviously it would be. Um... Oh crap! That is his name, J. Jonah Jameson from Spider Man, Cave Johnson from Portal. Oh yeah. Uh, J.K. Simmons. J.K. Yes. J.K. Simmons. Obviously, he should play and portray everyone. That that guy can act. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, he's awesome. I, I'm not I'm not sure he would have the physicality that, that I would that I would really look for, um, and that that I actually did appreciate in in Hayden Christensen. You know, in theory, a jumper should really be like a lazy fat slob, right? Yeah, yeah he like, doesn't need to move at all. That's one point he jumps over there. two couch cushions to get to the <laughs> exactly remote control or the magazine he wants to read. Yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> so you're saying he should look like us, it's, right? It's, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so. Like I said, the, one of my problems with Jumper the book, even though I love the book, um, one, I feel like one of the faults with it is the not having the clear protagonist. And so I, I think you're wrong. I, well, I okay. that's Colin. fine. You don't have to agree with me. <laughs> but it made sense that in a movie you're going to be like, you know what? We need a clear bad guy. And you bring in the paladins, which yeah. it's just. But it was horrible. Yeah. I don't know why. They failed they in that thinking. execution. Yeah. I think they could have done fine with the NSA. Yeah, and and I did like that the first time you meet Samuel L. Jackson, he introduces yeah. himself as as NSA. Yes, right. but then the next time it's CIA or FBI, right. and and so funny. he's telling different stories to different yeah. people. And Samuel L. Jackson is awesome. You know, he did as much as he could with yeah. the material he was given. But to make them like a religious zealots, I guess maybe that was what you did at that time. Uh, I don't. Know. But like Highlander, the series did this better. You know, with the hunters right. that, that hunted yeah. down immortals, the Watchers or the Hunters, the Hunters, the Bad okay. Watchers. Yeah, and. I don't know. It's just, it's a failure of imagination because I think you didn't necessarily need the terrorist subplot. You could have just had a government entity coming after him or even a private corporation. But the, the religious zealots thing, it, it fails in a couple ways. And, and one is just in the execution in the movie in general. But the other one is Griffin's story that not the book, but where Griffin tells him that the paladins have been hunting them for centuries. And like, how were you hunting teleporters? in the 17th century, you know, or the 19th century right. without your technology. Oh, I can tell you. Okay. So makes more one sense of, from the book perspective. <laughs> one of the things that makes Davy extremely powerful is mass transit and uh, airline transit. Once you take that away, because remember, a jumper can only oh, go right. to places they've seen. True. So, you know, David in the book learns that he can travel quite quickly by making uh, lots of short uh, right. line of sight jumps. Boom, 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 right? Mm-hmm. But he's able to travel very far by taking airplane flights to Florida, New Mexico, New York. Right. Mm-hmm. And he only has to take one. Right. Now, there's, right. This, there's a transition period where you start to get trains where, you know, you can now broaden somebody's reach or yeah. boats. But really, I mean, unless you can walk there, you're not sure. going to get a jump site. Even so, though, the, the, the method for capturing a teleporter, even locally, seems it strains credulity to me that they could have been as successful in hunting them down. It might only be a recent development. Right. right. But we don't know because there's no, there not only is there no character development, but there's no right. history That's of the, the thing. Paladins yeah, there's there's as no well. development whatsoever. Yeah, but Griffin did say they'd been doing it for centuries. Yes. And the other part of it is, and, and this is a general thing with the movie, is how public they jump, how publicly they jump. Because they're, they're, they're walking through downtown Shanghai or whatever, right. or Beijing. Uh, I think they're, uh, they're Jumping all over the place and driving around the car and jumping the car. And it's a cool scene. Right. But it's the kind of thing where you're like, how do more people not know about this? If there are a lot of jumpers and the paladins, how are they controlling that information? Why don't people know right. about teleporters? I'll go back to Davy in the book where he says that uh, given any other possible explanation, people will believe that rather than reality. Sure. 
Yeah, I'll go with that one. Because, yeah, they would, they would just see it as a, like... Yeah, oh, I didn't see you there. You didn't yeah. obviously just appear there. I just didn't notice you. Right, right. And it could be that most of the time that the, the jumpers are doing things privately to try and stay hidden. Yeah, because yeah. they're either trying not to get caught for their crimes, or they're trying to avoid uh, the paladins. Right. Yeah. Which is very apparent in the book, not so apparent in the movie. Mm-hmm. The paladins and all that are much better developed in Jumper Griffin's story. Yeah. And Griffin's little backstory is kind of cool. Now, let's talk a little bit about Jumper Griffin's story. This is a tie-in novel that's right. a prequel, really. Right. Or, yeah, it probably overlaps it a little bit. It was after the movie, though, right? Or was it written it during was written, the movie's development? It was written during the movie's development. Okay. Because cause I was listening to in that Geek's Guide um, interview, he talked about how Jamie Bell was putting on an American accent for a while during the movie. He was supposed to play an American character. He can right. do it. And then Doug Lyman at some point said, let's try that in your native accent. And he liked it and went, okay, we'll go with that. And so Stephen Gould had to make them into expatriates oh. in the, in the <laughs> right. Jumper Griffin story because he was already working yeah. on it. In that book, it talks about sensitives, mm-hmm. paladins that can somehow sense teleportation. Yeah, paladins were sensitive to tele- jumpers. They, yeah. could, they could feel when they were near. It's, it's never mentioned in the movie. No. But that's how I could see them hunting them for centuries. Well, right. oh, I know there's a near. Okay, I can yeah. sense it. And that's how they find them. And like Colin was saying, that without mass transit, you're not going to get a jumper that's been across the world. True. Maybe Unless, across a continent. Right. In, in the railroad time. Yeah. Yeah. So it's definitely plausible to be hunted throughout the centuries in that case. Yeah. And they may have been hunted, but not very successfully. Yeah, I guess. Right. You know, once you have the, you know, the... The Palins would definitely have to be ambush predators, for sure. Yeah. yeah. And they knew how to fight. I mean, in the fight scene yeah. in the apartment, yeah, right? they very capable fighters. Roland snaps him out of midair. Yeah. And yeah. basically, it's like, I know the general jumper moves. Right. Jumpers think they can get the drop on you by jumping behind you. Yeah. I'm going to put my foot there. And it's right. a standard hunter, uh, hunter tactic. I mean, you just establish someone's pattern. Yeah, you yeah. sense they're near. Eventually, you'll figure out who they are. And you establish their pattern, and then you can ambush them and take them down. It's, All right. It just, it's going to take... It'll be harder for a paladin to kill a jumper than a jumper to kill a paladin. Mm-hmm. But that makes the jumper cocky, right? Yeah. Sure. So I did like the tech that the paladins had. Mm-hmm. I like the the, cool. the wormhole stretcher. Yeah. <laughs> um, that was that was interesting. Thought I it was like introduced cool and appropriate. Beat sticks are pretty awesome. Too. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And that was a deleted scene. And so you know the movie was eighty eight minutes long. Mm-hmm. Technically, it's not feature length. Yeah, because you have to be 90 minutes. Oh, wow. Mm. <laughs> um, there were a lot of the deleted scenes that I think they should have put back in. It would have changed the pacing of the movie. Mm-hmm. One of the big complaints by many critics was it was too frantic. Yeah. And that was one of the design goals for the movie. They mm. wanted the movie to feel like it was written by a jumper. They wanted yep. it to feel jumpy. Jumpy. Boom, boom, oh, boom, oh. boom, 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 boom. Here, 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 right? Yeah, yeah. You know, here for breakfast, here for surfing, here for doing this, here for doing that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't like the weather, so I'm going someplace else. I'm going to have a picnic on the top of the Sphinx. Yeah, that, that's another thing. I'm like, seriously, nobody's noticing. The critics this? go in the more depth than what they thought was jumpy or whatever frantic about the movie. I only read the. I'm headline. wondering if they were referring to that or something else because that part makes sense, and I felt that part was kind of cool. Yeah, too hurried, too rushed. That's how I feel about the movie. I wouldn't call that jumpy. erratic or jumpy though. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, it was just like, rushed with no character development. Yeah. And well, and, and a pretty lousy antagonist, and yeah. then the hackneyed love story, kind of out of nowhere, right. and no time to development mm-hmm. yeah. to develop it or make it sound good, yeah. and no chemistry. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, the effects I thought were decent. I, they, I like the fact they did a lot of location shooting. There was also a ton of green screen work. Oh, I'm sure there was. Right. But um, for instance, you know, they did go to the Coliseum, and they had right. from sun, I guess, from sunrise until it opened. They asked, you know, can we shut this down yeah. and, and shoot here all day? And and they were told, no, you have 45 minutes in the morning and 45 minutes at night. Yep. Wow. And, you know, the lighting was incredible, of course, you know, because that's the best time to see it. Yeah. But they just, they had to, they, I don't remember how many shot or shoots they had to do in order to get that, but it was a lot. Yeah. So. yeah I read that on IMDb. They had like between 6.30 a.m. and 8.30 a.m. and like it was like 5.30 p.m. and 8.30 p.m. Yeah. So the, the part where they get there and the and the Coliseum is being closed, <laughs> it was being closed. It was actually and then, being then closed. the film crew came in. <laughs> I like it. Yeah, yeah. pretty good. <laughs> I I like the way um, Griffin introduces himself to to Davy, just taking a leak in the Coliseum. Right. <laughs> <laughs> hey, do you mind, mate? That's hilarious. <laughs> One of the cool things in the book is uh, where he he decides he needs a fortress of solitude, and so he 
goes way south in New Mexico in, into a national park or something or yeah. a state park and finds a cave in the side of a cliff right. that only a jumper could get to. It was very reminiscent over he left Roland. It was. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. In fact, yeah. Uh, in the one of the deleted scenes, he spends a bunch of time in that cave. Oh, really? Mm. So it, it kind of tells you that he's been there before. Otherwise, yeah. it kind of leaves you, be- you know, wondering, well, since he needs to acquire jump sites, how right. did he get here before? Yeah. Yeah, it's one of those lack of development areas. Mm-hmm. But you kind of have to assume he's been there before because he can only jump to places he's been. Yeah. Yeah, that's the other, the other kind of weak point of the movie is that that idea that nobody in the government has noticed his activities at all. Now, in the book, he does a little more intervention kind of stuff when he starts in, intervening in hijackings. Well, that the makes movie him a little didn't more really do anything that would garner attention. Other than the, the bank robbery. Well, Multiple yeah. bank robberies. And standing on Big Ben. Right. <laughs> and yeah, being on top of the Sphinx. Yeah. 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 So that's the other thing. We're in the realm of satellite imagery. Accidental things are caught all the time. In fact, I think Google has to take special care to remove things from yeah. the imagery that they're not supposed to be able to see oh. or let people know about. They do. Yeah. They yeah. blur out government sites and black, uh, redact areas yeah. all, all the time. Delete the aliens from Area 51. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. And so I wonder if today, right, if there yeah. really was someone hopping around and being in places they shouldn't be, they get caught. You would, you would catch them. <laughs> Want to photograph someplace. Well, the paladins would notice. Yes. Indeed. Jamie Bell has a cool accent. He does. So earlier you were talking about your favorite book. Is it a reflex of the series? Yes. So I was going to say mine was Exo. Yes. Because I thought it was the most hardcore science fiction of them all. Yeah. Exo is definitely I, I definitely harder sci-fi. Science fiction. Sorry. I said sci-fi. Bad Seth. Bad. Phil, Phil would be angry and so would Keith Cotto. Yeah, so... I also really like Impulse, the book, and it's sort of back to a superhero origin story, but you have previously established antagonists, and so that's why it works a little better for me than than the first one. Because I I think if I had to rank the books, I'd go Reflex, Impulse, Jumper, Exo. Exo is harder science fiction, and uh, if I'm in the mood for that, that works great. Like, for instance, with The Martian, which we're going to be covering. Yeah. <laughs> um, but when I read EXO, some of it, some of the technical detail was interesting to me, but right. but not as readable as the other books. Now, in the past, we've talked about how technical details have been good on an original read, but not so good on a reread. Yeah. So is that still true? Or even on the first read, you didn't grok or enjoy the technical details so much? Even, even on the first read, I, I enjoyed it enough, um, but I, I don't think I enjoyed it nearly as much as I did Impulse or Reflex. Okay. So I'm, I'm not sure which I would put first in terms of Jumper and EXO. So recency bias might might lead me to Exo. <laughs> right. Just I, I only read it once, so I couldn't tell you about the secondary read bias thing. Yeah. And I haven't reread that one yet. Yeah. I've only reread Jumper and Reflex. I just enjoyed the whole concept of the low Earth orbit and mm-hmm. jumping back and forth and up into space. Yeah. If you can jump stuff. anywhere, why, why not outer space? Yeah. Jump yourself to Mars and be done. <laughs> one, one thing I did like about uh, Jumper is I feel like the movie posters were pretty good. You know, even even just the one with Hayden Christensen in you know in the the teal and orange, right? Um, was was okay. You know, it was it was kind of frenetic yeah, looking. Just thing. pretend it wasn't Chris Hayden too, or Hayden Christensen. Right. I mean, I keep swapping his. In, in the honest trailer for uh, <laughs> Attack of the Clones, it was starring. Hey, don't act again. <laughs> oh. Yeah, like I said, I didn't really mind him in the movie, but well, again, you're wrong. It's okay. <laughs> that's that's my job here, isn't it? <laughs> So I had an issue about the movie that you went and and, uh, and argued against. I think I'm, I'm I'm buying into it, and it was the idea that in the movie there is a physical consequence for jumping. Walls crack, uh, dents appear in ground, right. and right. other things kind of happen. And then there's the jump scar. But there's a scene where Griffin is running at Roland, mm-hmm. and he doesn't directly run he does it in a series of jumps and then he yeah. hits him because apparently he has all this energy built up right. and mm-hmm. blows him Jumping back through the, the wall momentum. and i'm like yeah. which is straight well, out of the books kind of swear out of impulse out of impulse, out of, yeah. out of impulse. It's, it's consistent with impulse, impulse. Yeah. and so. so he point you know seth pointed out that in yeah. order to jump uh as you change your frame of reference, you're also mm-hmm. changing several other things. Like Davy has problems jumping to places that have uh, different altitudes because it makes his ear pop. And so mm-hmm. he tends to go in stages. Yeah. Um, but when you change latitude, longitude, and elevation, you're changing the Velocity. amount of energy. Yeah. Right. And uh, so they're they're automatically compensating for that in some way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, in Impulse, you, you have the discussion of, well, what if I could add momentum? Because I, right. obviously we can subtract it. Um, or, or add it, because as yeah. you go up or down, sure. you're, yeah, yeah, you're doing right. that in, kind of innately, but mm-hmm. not purposefully, right. directedly. Yeah. 
Yeah. It's, it's innate. Now, I'm going to have to put a, a video in the show notes uh, about, you know, so you found out you can teleport. You know, you need to determine what kind of teleporter you are. It's, it's, have you seen that one? <laughs> yes. He, he talks about, you know, if, if, you, can, if you can't jump uh, inside the frame of reference of a planet, then what you can really do is jump into outer space, never to return. And there's an XKCD comic which came out. Oh, nice. Right? Well, you have you can jump really high for the moon. And then suffocate in the without no atmosphere. Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so when I first saw the movie, there was something that stuck out to me that in the book, you you eventually find out that if he's shackled to something, then he can't jump. If it's if it's something that he can't move, right? Then he, he can't jump with it. He can't bring it with him. He he can take what he can carry with him. Right. And in the movie, they have these electronic restraint sort of things that, that they, they shoot them and it's like webbing. Oh, yeah. Um, and the, like we talked about, the electricity interferes with their brain's ability to teleport. Right. But then when I, when I saw the movie and I saw that they jam the, the end of their net thingies into the ground or into a wall or something, right. I took it that, okay, that grounds them to that, that thing. And that keeps them from jumping because they have to take the whole thing with them otherwise. And so I was looking at it as a as an electrical grounding kind of thing, which right. I don't think works. But it also doesn't work from a physical standpoint because that little you know two inch anchor is not going to be able to sustain an yeah. entire building's worth of weight. Depends on how hard you slam it into the ground. If the Hulk did it, you'd be screwed. <laughs> <laughs> no, the, the plaster would give way, right? The, the, the drywall would yeah, give way. Which yes. it eventually and did. So <laughs> I don't think that either explanation works, either physical grounding or electrical grounding. I think it's right. just supposed to be, well, this somehow ties you to it in some ethereal way. And I don't know yeah. what it, it is. It's supposed to be an anchor point. And I don't know. It, yeah. It, I mean, it changes, though, how much it anchors them throughout the movie, depending. Yeah. Yeah, because he ends up jumping the entire <laughs> Yeah, he ends up jumping apartment, Millie apartment, right? Millie's apartment into the river. Yeah. Now, now, here's one. So, at that point in the movie, he jumps that entire thing into the water, which was strange, because he's never jumped into that water before. But he's been in that he's, water. He's been in it, but the book establishes that he has to have a pretty clear memory, and I guess that would fix it in your memory, almost drowning. Yes. But then he jumps to the library, which is one of the other common things between the movie and the book. Yeah, that it's, was nice. It's not, it's not Oklahoma, it's Michigan. Mm -hmm. But they had to have ice for right. that story. But Millie frees herself and swims up to him. And on the second viewing, I thought, did Millie just teleport him to the library? I don't think it makes sense, because why would she have a jump site there? Um, no. but, but he kind of seemed unconscious. Yeah. And so, so I, wasn't, I, I, I was wondering if that was sequel fodder, that in the next movie, you would find that Millie could now jump. Okay. Yeah, don't know. I, I found the whole teleporting cars, trucks, buses completely ludicrous. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and jump, uh, Griffin just said, if it moves, I can jump it. Right. right. The other part is, of course, jumpers seem preternaturally tough because Hayden Christensen can shake right. off getting hit full on by a truck, a speeding truck. <laughs> yes. <laughs> And the other thing I found completely stupid was when Roland is dodging the bus, he, you know, the, the bus has oh, four sides, like he dives under the, underneath yeah. it as it rolls over <laughs> it's, him. It's not as bad as the Prometheus school of running away from things where you run in the path. He, he, he ran to get under it the other direction. Yeah. But, you know, even though in a movie you're supposed to have the suspension of belief mm -hmm. or suspension of disbelief, right. I was like, okay. I call, I'm calling BS right here. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, a very similar thing happened in Spider-Man 2, actually. But Spider-Man has preternatural abilities for agility and strength and yep. knowing that he's going to be hit by a Spider-Man can definitely pull it off. Roland, not so much. I did not bite with Roland because <laughs> Roland is a man. Samuel L. Jackson, though. <laughs> Case closed. I, I would never, ever argue against Jedi, the Jedi Master. Yes. Oh, I had, I had a bit of trivia about paladins. Okay. Because I looked it up, and there's oh, a yeah. lot of different pop culture references, but... Yeah, I'm for, curious which one you're referencing. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> Wikipedia says that the paladins were the fiercest warriors of Charlemagne's court. And their pop culture history uh, stems from a French word that I'm not going to try to pronounce. It means songs of heroic deeds. Oh. And one of the, one of the very, very famous one of, ones of those is called the Song of Roland. Oh, and so, so I thought, you know, they deliberately chose the name Roland to go with paladins and cool. to, to tie it to actual right. historical figures, which I thought was cool. So the movie, to me, it's, I wouldn't say it's worth watching, but it, it will insult your intelligence a little bit. But it could probably pleasantly pass 88 minutes of your life-ish. Yeah. Do you, you notice Kristen Stewart at the end? Yes. It amazed me the number of stars in the movie. Yeah. You know, oh, we, we talked Lane. about... Yeah, and Diane Lane. <laughs> yeah. I mean, 
That was kind of out of nowhere. <laughs> We're going to give you a head. I'm going to give you a head start. Right. That was a little weird Several to me. Times. I, I'm like, seriously, you, you think it's that important to kill jumpers that you're right. giving your son a head start, but you're basically intending to kill him. Yes. I don't, so I don't kill him 20 years ago when he was. Uh... No, um, she's doing this dangerous dance. She has been protecting him the whole time. Right. I guess that's true. Cause she does uh, release him she at does, a key point. Yeah. Right. Get him, get and, him out of trouble in Italy. And one of the deleted scenes is Roland has a picture of her and he's looking at it and thinking about it and talking about, you know, potential issues with the paladins. Mm-hmm. And so he, he does, well, he, he does look that. askance at her picture at some point. Yeah. He, he sees her picture in his dad's house. Mm-hmm. Right. Played by Michael Rooker. Right. Yeah. And Merle from the walking dead. Yeah. 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 He can play a con- convincing bad person. Yeah. Well, about the, the only the bad person Guardians of the Galaxy. That, that we didn't recognize was the guy that played Mark. And I got to say, it was nice that Millie's boyfriend in high school was Mark. That's, you know, another nod back to the book. Right. And he was a jerk. And he was a yep. jerk. He did not handle him well, though. That was stupid. Yeah, jumping Rice him to the, jumping him to the <laughs> bank into the bank was dumb. <laughs> I was retarded. Yes. Yeah, if you're trying to keep a low profile as a jumper, yeah. I don't know why you do something like that. But, you know, it had to give the paladins some extra. Right. It, that's how they got to, ra- to I get Rachel. the feeling, though, in the movie, Jump he the wasn't waters. even really trying to keep a low profile. I no, mean, not really. Yeah. He was completely oblivious to the fact that doing this in public or in front of anybody... Mm-hmm. Which I guess is in public. Well, that's, you know, uh, would be to his detriment. And that's, Roland lectures him, right? Do you think you could just do this without any consequences? Yeah. And even Griffin says, you know, you think you could just be jumping, 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 and no one would notice? Right. But, yeah, that's, to me, part of that weakness is the fact that there's no government entity coming after him either to drive him to be more secret. Which I think downplays Davy's character. I didn't like it. I didn't appreciate it. No, I didn't either. I I, I don't mind an anti-hero. Yeah. Now and then, you know, but but in this case, uh, no. it didn't, didn't do anything He's for me. Neither. <laughs> no, no, no. Not not quite no. to anti-hero, but not the least bit heroic. Yeah. Anybody, I, I think Griffin is the anti-hero. Yeah. When when I watched the movie this time, when when he heard about the flood or whatever, you know, only a miracle can save these people. I thought, oh, right, yeah, he goes and saves them, and then he doesn't. And right. I went, what? Yeah. So he goes off to London instead. I think the whole going off to London was kind of a his way of dealing with the guilt of not going. Yeah. To the help of those people. Yeah. But just from storytelling, the, the movie fails very badly. Right. Yeah. So. Very bad. Now, yes. you, you watched it with your boys. Yes. And they didn't care for it. No, but, you know, to their disadvantage, they live with me. And so I may have prejudiced them against the movie. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I, need to, I need to be more careful with that in the future. Although they are completely prejudiced for The Martian. Nice. I I will say I started watching it with my son, and I tried to talk it up to him. No, you know you'll probably enjoy it. He lost interest after about a half hour. And, wow. And oh, like, uh, yeah. Oh, and he's yeah. like, no, I don't really want to watch the rest. So yeah. Well, I mean, what's compelling about the story to watch? Very little. Yes. Any other wrap up before I get to some Facebook feedback that we got? Sure. So uh, Nick Jensen he commented that he'd seen the movie but did not even know that it was a book. And asked if he should read the book before listening to the podcast. So, Nick, I hope you have done your homework and read the book. <laughs> and it wouldn't hurt if you read Reflex as well, because we referenced some of that. Um, but I did mention... On, wouldn't hurt if you read Facebook. the whole series. Yeah. It's a good series. I, I if, if anybody takes anything away from this, I'd say, uh, watch the movie if you want to, but I'd go and read Jumper, Reflex, Impulse, yeah. and Excel. Good stuff. I think reading the books, including a Griffin story, makes the movie better. Makes it much. It makes more sense because yeah. you get a lot more. You get all the character development from the books, and then you can watch the movie without relying upon that development. True, and it makes it incrementally better. Yeah, I mean, I I read not by a huge margin. But I read Griffin's story in preparation for this, and I I liked it okay. I yeah. I didn't think it was up to the rest of the series, but I th- I still think it made the movie better because it explained the paladins, it explains Griffin's background. Mm-hmm. It does the development the movie doesn't do. <laughs> so. We also had a comment from John Bailey who says the book was much better. Now with the new Jumper book out, I'm going to have to go back and reread the series, which definitely agree. Yeah. So he's probably talking about EXO. And you know, if you if you're looking for a starting place, Barnes and Noble at least as an ebook has an omnibus edition of Jumper, Reflex, Shade, and Griffin Story for eight ninety nine. Oh, nice. And cool. no, you want to talk about Shade a little bit because you're the only one of us who has read the whole thing. Yeah. So Shade uh, is available either online at Tor.com as a short story, or you can download yeah. the short story from you know your favorite ebook vendor. And it, it goes to talk about what 
uh, Davy and Millie decide to do with their lives. After Reflex. After Reflex. And it's it's a good story. Mm. My brother-in-law, Ed, said, Hayden, whatever his name is, ruined the movie. I love the book series. Which I replied, I don't necessarily agree that he ruined the movie. I don't think he had much to work with. But I don't think it was exactly a highlight either. And then Matthew Robert Ignash. And if I'm... I'm almost definitely mispronouncing that. It's probably Ingnash. <laughs> I don't know what it is. Actually, you know what? Robert, uh, reply and let us know phonetically how, how to pronounce your last name. Uh, he says, I preferred the book plot and a book sequel, which absolutely. And yep, absolutely. I don't think they could do a sequel to this movie. To the movie? I don't yeah. think it would work. It was designed to be a series of movies. The, the new universe they built with the Paladins and the Jumpers was so large, they knew they could not tell it in one movie. Right, and so it there's an expanded universe. There's a world book that describes how the world that's is supposed surprising, to work. Because they already tried to do too much in that movie. Yeah, that's that's they tried a, to do way too much. A major that indication that that you're going to fail if you're setting it up to not be a standalone. Right. The movie has to stand on its own, and you know right. I, I'm going to give you a head start. That's that's the lead off to your sequel right <laughs> there. Uh, one warning: if you're uh, a younger type person reading this book, there is some sexual content in it. Dave and Millie have a physical relationship, and it's consummated in the book. And while not described exactly, it's described very humorously. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> and so you know, we can leave you with the advice, read a lot. Oh, Wait, gotcha. Which book are you yes, talking about, yes. by the way? The first Jumper. One? Jumper. Yeah. Okay. okay. Inside joke. All right. So in addition to the Facebook post, I actually put up kind of a last-minute Twitter one. And unfortunately, we got no replies, except for Stephen freaking Gould, which is Woo! rad. So that's always the nice part about, uh, you know, tweeting directly at him, which I did. Right. <laughs> and and he was kind enough to respond, which is cool. <laughs> oh, that's what the little at symbol means. Gotcha. Well, yeah. Welcome to uh, <laughs> the last, you know, I don't know how many years of Twitter. Ten, maybe? Yeah. It's been a while, James. Yeah. We'll get you up to speed eventually. <laughs> so, um, but he did, he, he sent us a couple tweets, which was cool. And, um, one of them was just, I don't dislike the movie. It's its own thing. And Jamie Bell is particularly good in it, which I think we all agree with that, that one of the high right. points of the movie is Jamie Bell. Oh yeah. He Anybody that can jump a cement truck is okay in my boat. Right. <laughs> <laughs> or, yeah. you know, a, a two decker bus. That or was a pretty cool. Decker bus. Yeah. Colin, you want to go with the next one? Uh, he said, still very grateful to the movie as tens of thousands of people read the book because of the movie. Yeah, we were talking about that, actually. Um, about yeah, the, that made me wonder about the correlation between book sales and movie releases. Unfortunately, there was nothing to find about it. Well, yeah, it's one of those things where they do movie tie-in versions of books for a reason. I mean, they must do some kind of reasonable business. Otherwise, I don't know why they would spend the money on it. I guess it's maybe it's part of the marketing for the film. I don't know. You know that would be a, another great conversation to have with an author who's still alive, who's had his book published and yes. adapted. Well, then we should give a shout out to Stephen Gould if you would like to uh, do a quick interview with us on the on the whole process of optioning things and stuff. We, I would drop everything to to record that. Yeah, that'd be awesome. And and I would be extremely nervous because I wouldn't know what else to ask him. So, <laughs> you know, uh, any man that has been the president of the Science Fiction Writers Association can probably uh, talk quite a bit longer and more clearer and more intelligently than we can. That is probably true. Right. So he, he had one, one other tweet that said, generally, I think they could have done a better job of telling their story. And then in parentheses, he says, deleted scenes on DVD are all character development, which I think, Colin, you had mentioned that, that the deleted scenes did, a, did some character development that didn't make it into the movie. Yeah. And it was, there was a lot of good stuff. I know that one of the goals that um, Doug Lyman had was to keep the pace of the movie to feel like you were living in a jumper's life. Yeah. You know, just go, 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 go. But, you know, the back, some more backstory on uh, the Paladins and seeing the inception of the, the jump scar machine and several other things would have been nice to have in the movie. Yeah. You got to wonder how many wormholes they had to wreck to get that thing working. Well, and you need to have some, some way to create a wormhole on demand to test it. Good point. Yeah. How would they? They must have oh, yeah. captured a jumper and tested them, right? Which means they probably knew how to restrain a jumper. Ooh, which would have led right into a sequel if they could have done the first film decently. Yeah, right. Yeah, bummer. They, they probably totally could have saved the wormhole machine for the sequel. Maybe we should try tweeting Doug Lyman and see if he gives us any more feedback. There we go. It won't be in time for this recording, but if we're going to continue the subject in general, why mm -hmm. not? And we've done another one of his films, so yeah. which we all really liked. So. Mm-hmm. Okay, I, so I think that's it for the social media feedbacks. 
So, of course, we want to say a huge thank you to Stephen Gould for interacting with us on Twitter. That was really, really cool. So we should uh, rank them. Real big mystery here. Right. What's going to happen? I'm guessing book movie. Book movie. Book movie. Okay, here, here, we'll, <laughs> we'll be more explicit. Book, short story, book, book, book. Book-ish. Book movie. <laughs> movie. Did I prefer Griffin's story to the movie? I think I would I would rewatch the movie before I would reread Griffin's story. But Ah, oh, you really didn't like that book. Huh? No, no, I, I I liked it fine. It's just to me it doesn't really stand alone. I'd rather just oh, take the oh, eighty eight yeah. minutes. Right. It is quicker to burn through a bad movie than a bad book, mm-hmm. I suppose. But you never get those times back. Yeah, but that is true. And if you want to watch a rewatch a bad movie, I suggest you go back to <laughs> the uh, Death Race remake. <laughs> Ah, I liked that one. Yeah. Or the Rollerball remake. No, 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 no. What are you talking about? Right, you want a 88 minutes, right? What movie? What, what Rollerball remake? Uh, worst movie. <laughs> I try to remember back to that. There's a hole in my brain. Black spot. <laughs> okay, so we can talk about what we're going to do next, which will be pretty cool. So we're going to be busier than... We are going to be pretty busy. Um, I'm probably going to release this episode before the end of September because we will have two things that come out in October. Okay. Because we've already planned on doing The Iron Giant, which is getting a theatrical re-release. I'm not sure we're going to be able to see that one all together because schedules don't look like they're working. It doesn't really matter. So we're all going to read that book. Colin's right. already read it. And and we'll do that. That'll probably be the second one that we release in October. The more time-critical one is The Martian. Yes. Which comes out right at the beginning of the month. Mm-hmm. And so if you are out there and listening, you should be reading The Martian. Or if you <laughs> you you might want to watch the movie first and then read The Martian um, in the space between when you watch it and when our episode comes out. I don't know. I'm Since I can't do it that way, I don't know if it right. would be more enjoyable. And I haven't seen the film. so I talked to somebody last night that had listened to The Martian as an audiobook. And oh, said, nice. and he, he listens to lots of audiobooks. And he mm-hmm. thought it was not only a really great story, but done well as an audiobook. Nice. And, and we know in the past that oh, sometimes cool. different readers can enhance oh, yeah. or degrade right. the quality of a story. Yeah. So the assignment is to read The Martian and watch the movie. And that's for the next one. We will also be joined, if all if everything works out, by Matt Anderson from The Sci-Fi Christian, which is one of my favorite podcasts that mm. I listen to all the time. And they, they churn them out, too. They do a couple a week. Wow. Um, so I'll put a link to their, their podcast in the show notes. And in the meantime, though, if you would like to go up to our website, we do encourage you to do that. And I would like to do a special plea for people to go and find us in the iTunes store and leave us a review. Find us on Stitcher. I think we're also on TuneIn Radio. So any of those places, if you would uh, give us a nice positive review, you can ignore this. If you don't like us, you don't have to give us a review. That's fine. Um, but yeah, if you, that would help other people find the show. You can go to our website, which is pavementpodcast.com, and you can find all of our social media links there for the Twitters and the Facebooks and connect with us that way if you are not already. Okay. Okay. Roger that. Blessing. What kind of blessing? Let's do a classic one. Yeah, why don't we? We'll, we'll, go, we'll go back to the normal one. <laughs> so we will leave you with the Pavement Pounders blessing. And if you're listening to this and you're like, what is this Pavement Pounders thing? It's because we all run together. We pound the pavement together. And so we do a modified sort of um, Irish blessing kind of thing, which is may the road rise up to meet you and may the wind always be at your back, that kind of thing. But... Yes. We modify it for the pavement pounders. May the road rise up to meet you, and may the book always fall open to where you left off. And may you not leave big jump scars. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. Thanks, everybody, for listening, and we'll talk to you next time. Bye. Bye. Okay. Uh, that's getting edited out. <laughs> <laughs> right. Embarrassing myself for the sake of the uh, listening public. For entertainment. Yes. yes. It's for the art, really. It's all about the art. Yes. See, loosely adapted goes both ways, apparently. True. That's what she said. (laughs) All three of us were recording. Now we are. We weren't recording for the first clap. I was. I was not. You are a slacker. They must sell some non... uh, Some not (laughs) inconsequent... Not inconceivable. Inconceivable. Inconspicuous. Yeah, insignificant. I think that's what I was going for. That's a good question. Three guys going on a frothpocalypse. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, we were going to talk about that. Yeah. Um, we, so, yeah, one of the advantages of being three guys that all like spending time with one another and, and that run together is we also developed a, a hobby of playing disc golf or frolf. So last Friday, we did Frolfpocalypse 2015, where we went to five courses, played over 60 holes of, of Frisbee golf. Walked 15 miles, according to my phone. Walked 15 yeah. miles, uh, burned 3,000 calories, according to my calorie counter. Yep. 
<laughs> got beat pretty handily by my son a couple yes. times. Got beat pretty handily by Colin. But right. you had the hole in one. I did so. have a hole in one. That was rad. <laughs> so I wish we'd gotten video. That would have been cool. Oh, yeah. True. Yes. So if, if we have any uh, fellow disc golf people, especially from Oregon out there listening to the podcast, give us a recommendation on uh, what sites we should hit next time. We're in the Hillsborough area. So just so you know, we don't want to drive a couple hours to right. get to a course. 